This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Turn with me to uh, Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. And the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up hence, thou and the people which thou hast brought up out of the land of Egypt, unto the land which I swear unto Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, saying, Unto thy seed I will give thee. And I will send an angel before thee, and I will drive out the Canaanite, and the Amorite, and the Hittite, the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. He's talking about the land of Canaan. Talking about the promised land. They haven't yet gone and, and rebelled against God there yet. So he's sending them there the first time. Unto a land flowing with milk and honey, for I will not go up in the midst of you, for you are a stiff-necked people, lest I consume you in the way. Folks, you know the Bible says the mercy of the Lord endures forever. There is a point where somebody can reject until God says, let them alone. In the Old Testament, God said of uh, uh, concerning one of the tribes of Israel, He said, leave Ephraim alone. He's joined himself to his idols. That doesn't mean God's mercy gives up on you. That means God finally accepts your choice. People say, how could a loving God send people to help? He doesn't. He just honors your choice to go. You meaning, not you individually as Christians, but meaning people that reject Jesus. He just honors their choice to go. And when the people heard these tidings, they mourned, and no man did put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said unto Moses, Say unto the children of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. I will come up into the midst of thee in a moment and consume thee. Therefore now put off thy ornaments from thee, that I may know what to do unto thee. And the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by the Mount Horeb. And Moses took the tabernacle and pitched it without the camp, afar off from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of the congregation. And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation which was without the camp. And it came to pass when Moses went out into the tabernacle that all the people rose up and stood every man at his tent door and looked after Moses until he was gone into the tabernacle. And as it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. Notice the cloudy pillar. There's the glory of the Lord. Now let me explain some things. God is not saying, I'm going to wipe you out. He's saying, you're worthy of me wiping you out. And so what did he do? He gave Moses as the interceder or the intercessor, the one to go between and represent the people unto himself. That's the only reason that the people of Israel weren't destroyed in the wilderness, because they certainly deserved it by rebelling against God. Moses is a type of Jesus. Just like you and I deserved eternity in hell because of our wrongdoings. Thank God Jesus came. Thank God because of Jesus now, it's not based on what we deserve, it's based on what Jesus did. Quit looking at what you deserve. What God thought you deserved was Jesus. And the Bible says if God didn't withhold Jesus, His only Son, how would He withhold any other good thing here on the earth? See, some people say, well, I guess I just deserve to, to not have healing. I deserve to be sick because of the life I've led. Well, no, God says you deserve Jesus, and since He didn't withhold Jesus from you, He wouldn't withhold healing from you. Well, I, I, I guess I just deserve to, to not ever make it financially and to lose my house and, and to just go down the tubes here because, you know, I, I, I wanted to serve God, but I just didn't do right. No, God said you deserve Jesus. And since you deserve Jesus, you deserve the redemption from poverty. 
Verse 9, And it came to pass, as Moses entered into the tabernacle, the cloudy pillar descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle, and the Lord talked with Moses. And all the people saw the cloudy pillar stand at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose up and worshipped every man in his tent door. And the Lord spoke unto Moses face to face. I want you to get this. In the glory of God, you speak to God face to face. Can you see that? Please keep that in mind. It's only in the glory of the Lord that you speak with him face to face. Nobody else could do that, but Moses did because he was in the glory. He was in this cloud. Can you see that? everybody? I'm, I'm sorry for belaboring this, but it's really important for you to see. Do you understand that that's what it's saying? Okay. The Lord spoke unto Moses face to face as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, Joshua had enough sense to know where God was and stayed there. And Moses said unto the Lord, Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me, yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now let me explain what's, what's ha- taking place here. Moses reminds God of what he said. He puts God in remembrance. So when you talk face to face with God, when you're in the glory of the Lord, this is how it goes. You say, Lord, you said this. Now some people consider that arrogance. Some people on the outside will say, oh, those word of faith people, they're so arrogant to think that you can order God around. You're not ordering God around when you remind him of what he said. God said in Isaiah chapter 43, I think it is, put me in remembrance. Folks, you get results when you put God in remembrance of what he said. Now, what does that presuppose? That presupposes that you know what he said. That means you have to know his word first before you start talking to him. Now, what do we call talking to God? Prayer. So he said, you told me that that I'm supposed to do the word, but you haven't told me who you'd send with me. But you've also said, I know you by name, and then that I, thou, meaning Moses, hast found grace in my sight. In other words, he's saying, but you said that I know you. And you said I found grace in your sight, but you haven't let me know who's going to go with me. Yet you told me to do the work. In other words, there's a problem here. There's a problem that only you can fix. You're going to have to show me who's going to go too. I'm willing to go. But you're going to have to show me who's going to go too. Then he goes further. He says in verse 13, Now I pray thee, if I've found grace in your sight. In other words, if you told the truth when you said I found grace in your sight. If I've found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you. Now God said, I had already said, Moses knows me. Moses says, I don't know you enough. I like that attitude. You never know God enough. No matter how much you know him. No matter how much of the word you gain, knowledge of the word you gain, you're still never going to know enough. You ever find somebody that thinks they know everything about God and everything about the word? Get away from that idiot as soon as you can. So Moses said, show me your way so I can know you better. I need to know more of you. That I may found grace in your sight and consider that this nation is thy people. Now that's a, if you just read through there without taking it apart, it gets a little confusing to us. In other words, he's saying the way that I find grace in your sight is to know you. So I need to know more of you so that I can have more grace in your sight. And then he says, now consider that these people are yours. They're not mine. 
You told me to bring them up, but you haven't told me who's going to go too. These are your people, not mine. They're not my problem. How many things that God told you to do that you're taking on as your own problem? It's not supposed to be yours. And he said, verse 14, here's the Lord answering back. Moses' whole problem is, his question is, you haven't shown me, told me who's going to go with me. Then the Lord says, answers back. Here's God speaking to him. and says, my presence shall go with thee and I will give thee rest. Now the word presence is interesting. The word presence is a, is a, uh, generally means face. It, in the Hebrew, it means something like face. And it's translated a bunch of different ways. It's translated, uh, 100, 1131 times it's translated before. So it could be translated, my before shall go before thee. Or my before shall go with thee. Another time it's translated, 328 times it's translated face. 63 times it's translated face is. 27 times it's translated from. And, and I'm not sure how many is translated presence. Let me see if I can get it. 76 times it's translated presence. In other words, it means before from the standpoint of in front of. God's saying something will go in front of you. He's saying, I'll cause something to go in front of you. Now, the something that he's talking about has got to be a spirit. So here where the presence of God is being spoken of, the face of God, he's saying, my face will go before thee. He's saying, I'll put something out in front of you. I'll put my spirit out in front of you. Now, the word, notice the last part of the verse, it says, and I'll give you rest. The word rest means settle down. So God's literally saying to Moses, my spirit will go with you so you can settle down. Now, Moses is going to encounter a lot of enemies. He's going to encounter a lot of trouble. He's going to have a lot of, a lot of backbiting, a lot of murmuring from the people. He's going to have all kinds of things that are going to threaten his life. There are all kinds of things that he's going to face. But God says, you can settle down in the middle of it because my spirit will be with you. Then Moses says, he answers him back. Now, remember, Moses is talking face to face. I know a lot of religious people don't like this idea of God talking to somebody like this or somebody talking back to God like this. Moses says, well, if your spirit does not go with me, carry us not up hence. In other words, he's saying, well, if your spirit doesn't go, I'm not going. That's pretty face to face, isn't it? I mean, that's talking pretty plain to God. And, of course, the next verse says, and lightning falls from heaven because of Moses' arrogance. <laughs> oh, that didn't happen? God doesn't have a problem with you talking face-to-face with Him when you're basing your conversation on His Word. And remember, it's only in the glory of the Lord that you can talk face-to-face with God. Keep that in mind. If Moses is not in this glory cloud, he can't have this conversation with God. But Moses is real clear about this. He says, well, look, I can't do this on my own. I guess he figured out when he parted the Red Sea that that wasn't really him doing it. Even though everybody's saying, wow, Moses. Moses is saying, oh, dear Lord. I didn't do that. So he's got it figured out. He's, he's understanding very clearly. If God's not in this, I'm not going anywhere. Because I can't do this on my own. How many things can you not do on your own? Everything? Well, then shouldn't we be relying on the same Spirit of God? So Moses says, if your spirit doesn't go, I'm not going. For wherein shall it be known? In other words, Moses is saying, here's the problem. If your spirit doesn't go, here's going to be the problem. For wherein shall it be known that here, that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? 
Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. Folks, there's so much in that verse of Scripture you need to see and recognize. He's saying, I understand that it's only by your presence, your spirit, you going before us, that causes us to be different from anybody else on the earth, that causes us to be known as having found grace in your sight. If it's not for your presence, we're nothing. That's why I'm not moving well with the Holy Ghost. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. It is much more of a school than any other healing service I'd been to. Pastor Mike goes through the specific scriptures in the Bible that point to the healing power of God. Again, that's Healing School each Sunday night, led by Pastor Mike Webb at 6 p.m. For directions and more information, go to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Verse 17, And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. Now notice he's saying, God is saying this was Moses' doing. Why? Because Moses started off reminding God of what he said. Here's something else about being in the glory of the Lord. When you're in the glory cloud, when you're in the presence of God, God honors your words. So he says, I will do this thing that thou hast spoken for, thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And Moses said, I beseech thee, show me your glory. Now, what is he saying? If God's talking about, Moses first says, the problem is, you said I know you, you said I found grace in your sight, but you haven't told me who to go with or who's going to go with me. You told me what work to do. I don't have any doubt about the work that I'm supposed to do. You haven't told me who's going to go with me. And so he and God talk this over, and God says, okay, my presence will go. I'll set something out in front of you. My spirit will be set out in front of you, and I'll go. And Moses said, well, if that's not the way it's going to go, then I'm not going. You've got to be serious about this, Lord. I'm not playing over this. And he says, no, I'll, my spirit will go with you so you can settle down. And then he has this conversation with God, and finally, finally, Moses said, God answers and says, okay, I'll do these things, honor your words, I'll do this just like, like you said. And Moses says, show me your glory. At the point that God said, I will honor your words, Moses says, show me your glory. Now, what is he saying? He can't be changing subjects. Why would he be? The only thing that matters to Moses is who's going to go with me, who's going to equip me, who's going to help me get the work done to take care of your people, not mine, your people. When he says, show me your glory, he's got to be talking about the same presence that God said would go with him. Don't you think? So he says, show me your glory. Notice how God responds. Folks, I don't know about you, but I want to see the glory of God. I have seen the glory of God, but I'm not satisfied. I want to see more of it. And after I see more of it, I'm going to want to see more of it too, still. And I want to see more of the things that the glory of God will produce. Don't you? The Bible says Jesus is coming back for a glorious church. In other words, one of the outstanding characteristics of the last day church, we just read about it, started off with it in Haggai chapter 2, one of the last day characteristics of the church, the people of God, now it doesn't mean everybody that's saved, but those that are walking in the Word, those that are living their lives by the Word and doing what God said to do, one of the outstanding characteristics of that church, that people, will be the glory of the Lord. So Moses says the same thing that I would say, that hopefully you would say, show me your glory. And God says, oh no, absolutely not. Heaven forbid. What are you talking about? 
Moses, now you've crossed the line. Of course not. God says, well, okay, here's how we're going to do this. God answers and says, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. So I want you to notice that the glory of the Lord and the goodness of God must be one and the same. I'll make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. So that must mean the glory of the Lord or the Spirit of the Lord will always proclaim the name of Jesus. They've got to be the same things. God hasn't changed subjects either. Then he goes further and says, And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy upon whom I will show mercy. The word gracious means to stoop down to in kindness. God says, I will bend over in kindness to who I will, and I will show mercy. The word mercy there means to have compassion or to show love toward. So what does the glory of God do? It displays God's kindness and God's love. All this is part of what Moses said, I want to see. I want to see your glory. God says, okay, I'll make my goodness pass before you, and I'll proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious, and I'll show mercy to whom I'll show mercy. And then he said, verse 20, then God says, all right, now we've got to make sure that there's a, that, that can, in other words, the only way for this to be done, we've got to do it in a special way. He said, you cannot see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. Now, why is that? Because Moses is living in a sin-filled flesh. He's not saved. He's living above the Old Testament curse by walking with God and keeping the law, but he's still unsaved. He's not saying that no man can see his face once you're saved. He's saying no unsaved person can see his face. I don't know about you, but I'm planning on seeing the face of God. Well, how's that going to happen? Easy. I'm saved. Jesus has already made a place for me. So what happens here is God gives him a type of the thing that Jesus has already done for you. He says, no man can see my face and live. And the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me. Folks, this is what Jesus is. It's a place by him. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. There is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock. Jesus is the rock that the church is built upon. And it shall come to pass while my glory passes by. My goodness, the proclaiming of the name of the Lord, the graciousness or kindness of God, and the mercy of God. As these things pass by, that I will put thee in the cleft. That means a, a hollowed out place. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover your hand, cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I'll take away my hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Folks, I want you to understand something. Moses could not experience this except he is in the presence of God. Now, God is talking to him about something, uh, well, how do I say this? We know that when this takes place, Moses is in the tabernacle. He's in the cloud in the tabernacle. There's no cleft of the rock there in the tabernacle. So where he says, I'll show you my glory, he's saying, I've got a specially prepared place. That specially prepared place is a type of Jesus. It's the hollowed out place where God puts his hand on him. Now, it's interesting, there's a lot of things we could talk about here, but God talks about his face, he talks about his hands, he talks about his back parts. So God must have a face. God must have a hand. God must have back parts. Well, if you got back parts, you must have front parts. Sounds a lot like the human body, doesn't it? We're made in the image of God, not just in the fact that we're spirit beings, but we look like God. So here's the point I want you to see. Moses could only see the glory of God when, when, when... He's in Christ. That's what the cleft of the rock is a type of. 
2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, therefore, if any man be in Christ, therefore, if any man be in Christ, therefore, if any man be in Christ. That's me. Is that you? He is a new cre- creature. The other translations say a new creation. I like one translation that says he's a new species of being. What species of being is that? The one that can see the face of God. He is a new species of being. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. What does that mean? That means since you are in Christ, you can talk face to face with God. You can remind Him of His Word. You can get God to honor your words under those conditions. And you can see His glory. You can see His glory. We see the glory of God around here more in healing school than any other place. There are times where, and I think the reason for that is because we have a specific purpose for that service. There are, uh, well, there are many examples, many illustrations I could give you, stories I could tell you about this. But uh, it's been about, um, oh, maybe a year and a half ago now, something like that. There was a fellow that uh, that was in the hospital. Uh, I think he was over at Hogue Hospital. And uh, somebody came and visited him. He had been uh, diagnosed with uh, prostate cancer. And, uh, and, and he was, the cancer is just eaten up on the inside of him and, or his insides were eaten up with the cancer. And, and, uh, so the doctors had told him, you know, there, there's really not anything that we can do. But somebody had come by to visit him. I don't know who it was. It wasn't somebody in our church, but they knew something about the things of God and they had seen our, our television program and, uh, happened to see some things that we had aired, you know, from healing school, which we do from time to time. And, uh, so anyway, this person came in and was talking to them. I, I think there was a, an acquaintance. Well, thinking back on the story, it wasn't even a friend of theirs. It was somebody that came to visit the other person that was in the room. And so anyway, they wound up talking. And, and so this person, long story short, this person started telling him about that, uh, that healing is uh, a part of what Jesus has done for us. Even prayed for him to, to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior in the room. And then told him about our church, that we had healing school. Well, this guy basically checked himself out of the hospital. Doctors couldn't do anything for him, so why stay there? So he checked himself out of the hospital and came to healing school. I'd never seen him before, didn't know anything about him. But we were having just a normal healing school service, and uh, some way or another we just began to worship God at the end of the thing, and the glory of the Lord said and uh, began to enter into the, to the service. Now there are times where, where it's, uh, well it manifests in different ways, let me just say it that way. There are times where it seems to be a, a light haze or a mist, but there are other times where it gets stronger and it's like a cloud, and, and, and it's um, uh, it's... Have you ever been to the mountains where you see the, the, the clouds hanging over the mountains? It, there's a real distinct line, it looks like sometimes, where, the, where it's like that. Well, that's what it was like this night. There was a real distinct line just right over the heads of the people. Everybody was standing up, and it was just right over the heads of the people. And so I was worshiping God, wasn't really paying any attention to anything, just, you know, okay, kind of checking out, okay, Lord, is there anything you want us to do? And finally I opened my eyes, and when I opened my eyes, I saw that that cloud was hanging over the heads of the people. And so I said something. I said, the glory of the Lord's here. Well, you don't have to be too smart to figure out what the glory of the Lord is there for in healing school. You know? I mean, if the glory of the Lord appeared here at this point in time, I'd have to ask, Lord, what is it you want to do? In healing school, I pretty much have it figured out. Here's what God wants to do. So I just said, the glory of the Lord is here. I said, it's hanging over your head like a fog. So I said, if you need anything from the Lord, just reach up and take it. Well, I saw this gentleman. There were several people all over the room that were that reached up and they uh, re- reached up to take hold of whatever by faith, whatever the healing they need, whatever they needed from the Lord. But I saw this fellow, tall fellow. I saw this fellow. He reached up, and when he reached up, I saw his hand go in. Now, 
it was, it was, I recognized that there was something unusual because the way that I saw his hand go in was different than the way I saw other people reaching up. And so it, it caught my attention just to keep my eye on what was going on. Not that the Lord spoke to me about anything or that I had any kind of knowledge about anything. I, I'm, most of the time I don't know what's going on any more than anybody else does. But something about that caught my attention. So I, I, I just kept looking. I just kept watching this fellow. So he stuck one hand up into the thing and, and, uh, kind of, kind of eased up a little bit. And then you could tell he just got bolder and stuck his hand up. And then the next he stuck both hands up. And, uh, and like I said, I hadn't seen this guy, didn't know anything about him, didn't know who he was. And, uh, first time I'd ever seen him in a church. And so, uh, after the service, uh, I shook hands with him. And, uh, and he said, uh, he said, I really enjoyed the service. He said, first time I've ever been in a church like this. I said, oh, where'd you come from? And he said, well, uh, somebody told me about you at the hospital. And that's all he said. So he, uh, he thanked me for the service, said goodbye, said, well, I hope to see you again sometime. And so he wound up coming back. And the testimony that he gave was the next time he went back to the doctor, the next week when he went back to the doctor, the cancer had disappeared. Completely disappeared. Doctors couldn't believe it. They ran this guy ragged in the hospital for three days doing tests on him. They were determined they're going to find this cancer. <laughs> and they couldn't do it. It had completely disappeared. Absolutely. Completely disappeared. So next time he came back to church, he told me the story. No big deal. Didn't make any special fanfare of it. I mean, he, first time he'd been to a church, he thought this happened every week. <laughs> so he tells me the story and, and I rejoice with him. Hey, this is great. As, and I asked him a question. I said, well, listen, I said, let me ask you something. I said, I'm standing up on the platform and I saw the glory of God, but I saw you put your hands up in the, into the glory. And I said, look like you were tentative to begin with. And he, he, then he took it from there and he said, yeah. He said, this all sounds kind of weird to me. He said, I just have gotten saved. He said, I, I don't know anything about this stuff. He said, so when you said the glory of the Lord's here, I opened my eyes. I started looking around. He said, I didn't see anything except the ceiling. He said, and so I, I heard you say, if you need anything from the Lord, just reach up and take it. And I thought, well, this is dumb. He said, then there was something on the inside of me that said, he just told you the glory of the Lord is here. Why do you want to argue with what he told you? He said, I stood there for a few minutes having an argument on the inside of myself. And finally, the thing, the, 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 he said, the voice on the inside of me said, you've already admitted you don't know anything about this. He does. Shut up and do what he said. I like this. That's the presence of the Lord that goes before you. I like this. He talks my language. So he said, at that point, he said, I did. I just said, oh, well, all right, whatever. What's it going to hurt, you know? He said, as soon as I stuck my hand up, he said, I felt something. He said, my hand started to tingle. He said, when that happened, he said, I realized the glory of the Lord must really be here. Whatever that is, it must really be here. And he said, if you need anything from the Lord, just reach up and take it. He said, so then I stuck my other hand, I stuck my hand up straight. He said, I felt more and more of it. He said, something started going through my body. He said, at that point, I stuck both hands up. And he said, you know the end of the, the, end of the story. I wonder how many times the glory of the Lord is here when we don't see it. See, we are so physically oriented that unless something happens, unless there's some physical evidence, then we think, well, you know, just church. Folks, I don't believe it's ever just church. God appeared in the Old Testament to His people in a cloud. That cloud identified His presence and His manifested glory. 
Come join us at Foothill Family Church and experience the glory of God with us. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. My coworker, Elaine, um, she would talk to me about the Foothill Church. Oh, she learned this, she learned that. And I just felt like, why don't I know this stuff? And I finally decided to start coming here. And the more I came, the more I got attached. And I even bring my mom now. Yeah, she got saved here, so I'm blessed. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.